podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Tony Haggerty, how are you doing, Tony? I'm very well. How are you yourself? Not too bad. I am, of course, Laura Bradburn, always here on the Friday Bulletin, or when I can be, when there's not all sorts else going on in the world. But um, yeah, love to be back talking Celtic with you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting in the chat. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. I forget the number of places that you can watch us, but it's all the same, whatever you do. So uh, we still talk the same amount of rubbish, don't we, Tony? <laughs> oh, very much. So I'm, I'm fluent in that. Fluent and authentic frontier gibberish, if you're also fluent. <laughs> in Blazing Shadows, you'll get that reference. Uh, um, plenty to talk about. Obviously, as you can see in the strap, like we're, we'll be looking ahead to the Dundee United match on Monday night, I think it is. I'm, I'm terrible for, for not getting my days right, but I think it is Monday night. Monday night. Um, so we'll look ahead at that selection, uh, where it leaves us in terms of uh, the hunt for the treble, which is now, of course, definitely a treble after going out the Europa League and um, what Angie's selection is. Uh, a couple other talking points to go over before then, obviously. Um, first of which, Tony, I wanted to come to you and get your thoughts on, um, you know, we talk about not looking too far back in the past or not looking in the past at all and, and, and looking to the future always. But, you know, as Celtic supporters, it's part of our nature to look back. Uh, Ex-captain Scott Brown, who obviously won tens of trophies with us over a 14-year spell with the club, uh, left his, his coaching slash playing role at Aberdeen during the week um, after discussions with the club and following the exit obviously of the manager that brought him, Stephen Glass as is natural there have been rumours, I've heard rumours about you know possibly a, a post for him in the youth setup, a post in the coaching setup, even first team duties, that kind of thing where do you stand on that as a kind of policy for the club to, to look at bringing him back? Is it something you would welcome or is it something we should we should steer clear of? What do you think? <laughs> no chance. He he has to be welcomed back. I, you look at the manager's comments yesterday. He'll always be welcomed back here. That's a big voice and a big influence at the club. Maybe not this season, but in mm. the summer if he's not employed, gainfully employed somewhere, bring him back. Shoehorn him in because he's a, I think he's a He'd be a wonderful uh, character and person with loads of experience to have in your coaching team, and he's just he's just revered at Celtic, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Now we need to kind of create a space, captain, leader, legend, coach, oblique manager, whatever you want to call him. Uh, and I just this seems like a natural fit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's Scott Brown. We'll come back to Celtic, and it would be as if he'd never really been away. To be honest, I don't think anybody ever got used to him in an Aberdeen jersey. But you don't deny him his right to try and further his career and go and learn the ropes and to be a coach and a manager. And you know, he he had what it took to be a 
a successful footballer at the, at the highest level. And I just think that that determination and that grit will be there within, within him again to prove that he can be a, a top-level coach, manager, whatever he wants to be. And I think he has I think he has something to offer. And I think he has something to offer Celtic. At this particular juncture, I would let Ange and the boys get on with what they've started, finish what they've started. And then in the summer, I'd maybe think about bringing them back to the fold and saying, OK, let's do this. You're back. Give us that influence. Give us that voice. And, uh, you know, we, we work in tandem from then on. That's my thoughts on it. It's, it is an interesting one because I'm kind of conflicted. Obviously, from a playing point of view, I think he was, you know, he, he, he was done for a, a wee while before he left. And, you know, I definitely don't think he would keep up with the pace that we're trying to do under Ange in terms of a playing style if you were thinking of bringing him back as a player or anything. But I do agree that there's a there's an off-the-pitch influence and there's a there's a level of experience that he has that he could probably make use of. I'm the same as you, though. I'm, I'm kind of... Um and on about when would be the right time. I, th- I think bringing anybody in and a personality as big as his at this stage of the season might just upset the apple cart a wee bit and, and maybe getting them in the door to to get to know the players over a summer period when he's got a bit more time would probably be a good call. I think that's probably where I agree with you as well. It isn't broke at this moment in time, Laura, so it doesn't need fixed. And also, uh, Ange and the, the background boys have been there since the start of the season so I, I would I say I would let them finish what they've started I don't think Scott Brown has any intention of, of being a player I think he wants to concentrate now on his badges and becoming a coach manager whatever he wants to be so that that's that's the Scott Brown you'd be you'd be taking on but I, I firmly agree with you as I said there I think it should be uh, looked at again in the summer and I think Scott Brown would be wise to take up Brendan Rodgers and his offer. Go down mm-hmm. and have a look at that setup, just see how a top club works. Go go a, a wee tour or, or whatever of clubs and maybe in Europe and see how they function and just just get a feel for it. You know how the, how various uh, setups operate, and then in the hope that in the summer that he he might come back to Celtic. I think people feel that he maybe has unfinished business at Celtic. You never get the chance to see Cheerio properly and all that and. You know, there was always that kind of uh, feeling that he left, you know, and, and not the greatest of terms. And it was all abrupt and it was all too sudden. And I think he would be welcomed by, it's it's the prodigal son stuff, isn't it, really? You know what I mean, it's uh, he he is a huge, huge part of Celtic's success in the last two decades, you know. So it's... Uh, I think as well with the, with the whole COVID thing, um you know, regardless of it would have been sad to see him go anyway, given the way this last season went, anybody leaving in that circumstance would have been going in a kind of less than ideal situation and that is that would have been sad. But I think with COVID especially and the fact that there weren't fans in the stadium or not in any great numbers at the time that he was leaving, uh, he didn't really get the send off that somebody mm. of his level of service deserved. And I did see an interesting idea on Twitter during the week that I thought might be a good idea is like regardless of what happens with him in the future regardless of whether he comes back to us or whether he he, he doesn't, it would be nice to get him back as like a kind of guest of honour for a game and just get him out on the pitch at half time and do a, do a round of applause or, or let him speak to the fans do you not think that's something that at the very well, least we could do for him? I think if it doesn't work out that he comes back in a coaching capacity in the summer then I'm, I'm sure that, that could be arranged, no problem. But, as I say, I don't think this season's a time for sentiment with regards to Scott Brown. Yeah. Business, business, business. Because we're at the business end of the season. I think Angie's very much of that ilk as well. But when he was asked a straight question yesterday, he said there will always be a welcome for Scott Brown. Of course there will. So, I think maybe he was thinking in the future. But Celtic, as the strap line says, Celtic got a treble to focus on winning. Don't want any Scott Brown sideshow at this moment in time. We'll wait till the end of the season and then we can have the Scott Brown coming back to Celtic if he's not gainfully employed. Thank you very much. But if you're asking me, would I welcome him back? Should he come back? The answer is yes. The affirmative. Just not now. Let the people that are running the club get on with what the job that they've started and we focus on that. And I think that has to be uh, every, what everybody's attention 
is on at this moment in time. I'm sure it will be. Don't need me to tell them that. But you know, you you don't want distracted by anything. And I think Scott Brown, as you said, he's a big voice. He's a big character. It might be an unwanted distraction at this moment in time. So we'll, we'll revisit it in the summer. Is it? Not by anybody, and he can come back. Well, that's true. It's it, it's a point I totally agree with, and I think I raised it numerous times um, with previous managers and previous players and things like that. I do think as, as a fan base and as a club, sometimes we are we are very run by sentiment and driven by sentiment, and sometimes you need to put that aside, not forever, but for now, kind of thing. And, and, and like you say, get get business done and get get things over the line. Because let's not forget, you know, we're in the middle of turning round perhaps what is one of the biggest turnarounds in our history in terms of compared to where we were last season, what we're potentially able to do this season. And so anything that distracts from that's obviously going to be a disadvantage. I wanted to bring up a couple of comments from the viewers. Thanks everybody for commenting on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're commenting. Um, some conflicting ones right enough, so we'll go for it. But James Maguire says, um, Brown would be a great personality to have around the club at this stage of the season. His experience speaks for itself and he's been in this situation in the past in terms of a title run. I mean, I, I do agree with that to an extent, but I think, Tony, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, perhaps his level of experience or his level of respect is not going to be as high amongst this particular squad of players because look at the turnaround the players we've had, for example. Scott Brown wouldn't have played with probably the majority of players that are in that squad at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I don't deny what the view was commenting on saying there but I just think at this moment in time Celtic are too far down the road with what they've done so far and what they've achieved so far and I, I wouldn't want any kind of focus of attention to be taken away from what they're trying to do and I think Scott Brown coming in it would just blow it sky high it, it would be great I, I get his influence and experience but you know Callum McGregor's been a captain in his own right this season he stepped into that role perfectly since Brown abdicated it. You know, how would he feel about, you know, the guy whose role and armband that you've taken coming in? You know, there's all sorts of things you need to... I get what Scott Brown brings to the party, but you've got to think about others in this situation. You've got to think about that team as well. You've got to think about the management team. And in and, and, and respect, you know, Celtic have coped admirably well since Scott Brown left the building. So I don't think there's a pressing need or a necessity to get him back. You know, if you're, you're talking about eight games, a possible quarter, well, quarter-final, semi-final, final, say they get through the quarter-final, 10 games. So is he really that vital for the next 10 games, considering what, where Celtic have come from since June under the present managerial regime? So it's not, it's not for me right now. But I'm not rolling it out in the summer. If he's, as I say, he's still available, I would get him back in because I think he has got an important role to play with that experience and the voice and the leadership qualities that he undoubtedly has. Uh, but not not at this moment in time. I think we just focus on eight stroke ten games or well nine, ten, eleven quarter final, semi final, final Scottish Cup. Should you be fortunate enough to get there? That's that's Celtic's focus now, not on Scott Brown, just on basically keeping the treble dream alive. Exactly, exactly. Um, just interesting that you make those points. Alan Robertson says, Scott B needs to take some time out and think about what he really wants to do long term. Let's get Scott back in a few years, which I think is agreement. And you touched on it there, but just to pose the question a bit more specifically, and we'll close out in the Scott Brown stuff after this. Um, if Scott B came back straight away, how would this affect, affect Callum Mack? Would he feel undermined at all? My personal opinion on that is, I think Callum McGregor's too much of a professional to let it affect him all that much. What might be going on behind closed doors might be different, though. Yeah, I agree with that, but I wouldn't want to test the waters on that, Laura. Yeah. Because he's functioning fine, isn't he? He's, he's really grown into the captain's role and the Celtic fans have taken to him. So, again, it would be a, a wee bit of a circus and a sideshow and you might get kind of negativity emanating from that that he feels undermined and you just don't need anything like that as Celtic are, you know, homing in in the title just now, you know, so, and and a, and a potential Scottish Cup win. So just, as I say, I'm a bit Ange-like with this, get the business head on, you know, just let's peak at the time of the season where he wants Celtic to peak 
and be there when all the prizes, when the prizes have been handed out, all of the prizes, you know, be there and just uh, make your presence felt. So, yeah, there'll be a time for Scott Brown to come back. It's just not now. Yes, I think uh, I think we're in agreement with that. Um, if not now, certainly in the future. Um, we'll move on from Scott Brown though, because I'm sure it won't be the last time we speak about him. But um, for <laughs> now, uh, for now, we'll move on. Um, Tony, I know you obviously will have spoken a little bit about this in Monday's bulletin, but as I always like to do for my own selfish reasons and for the viewers on a Friday who might not have watched them Monday. I wanted to get your thoughts on the, the Livingston game. We were, we were on the, the Friday bulletin last week, you know, very concerned about, you know, I know we called it hoodoo or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, the Tony Macaroni Stadium has been a difficult place for us to go. We won in what I would suggest is the most convincing manner we've ever played there in, in years. Um what did you make of the performance and where do you think it sits for us in terms of significance going into this last run of games for the end of the season? I think it's I think it sets Celtic up brilliantly for the last run of games. It just there was no question that, that kind of voodoo hex, voodoo, call it what you like, bogey was being exercised on Sunday. They just went about their business with a like a vim, a vigour, a zest, gusto, call it what you like. I just said it there. That every Celtic player had the business head on. Every Celtic player was an 8 out of 10. 7 or 8 out of 10. You could argue maybe a couple were 9s, but, you know, that's the that's the kind of performance that we need from them. And uh, in the most unlikely of venue, but they chose to turn up the heat. And it was a statement win, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We are, you know, we're in here fighting for this title. We're a good team. Going to show you we're a good team, and anybody that thought we're going to lose points here or slip up again, you've not been paying attention. The manager's learning all the time, you know. So he's shown us how he's learned, and he went and set about them. And even when Callum McGregor missed a penalty, I never ever thought, "Oh no, it's going to be one of those days." I thought there's a goal coming, which I've never ever felt. Well, I've not felt for a long time when we played at Livingston, but from the moment they took to the park and even. Jota's early ball across the face when mm-hmm. you were probably screaming for Maida to be there and shouting Kyogo would have been there but it would just set the kind of tone for what I thought was a, a tremendous performance and it showed them that you know, this is their business and there's eight to go, see if we play like that who's going to stop them from being champions? Mm-hmm. Not getting ahead of themselves but just in terms of the attitude and the application they showed against Livingston the and I was going to ask him, but I thought I'll just let him be happy. The lack of spark that was evident at Easter Road, it was there in abundance in West Lothian last last Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I, I stopped short of saying that lack of spark that was last week. Was it there this week? But uh, I, I refrained just in case he bit my head off again. <laughs> he was in a good mood, so I probably got away with it. Uh, but no, I think, and I think Ange himself, because of that, he was delighted with the way they went about their business. I thought it was a cracking performance. Mm-hmm. And people pointed to refereeing decisions. Yeah, it wasn't a corner that led to the first goal. But as Ange himself said yesterday, you're, you're nitpicking because you need to defend. You know, but we're not dissecting the game. Dissect, it's referee watch then. You know, yeah. as, as he said. You know, if you dissect the game, Celtic never won the game because of refereeing decisions. They won the game because they were the better team and Livingston couldn't cope with them. End of story. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally in agreement about the refereeing decisions in terms of, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure somebody can find a clip or a tweet or something that proves me to be an absolute hypocrite in what I'm about to say, but aren't we all? Um, I... I do think with refereeing decisions like that one, sometimes you ride your luck, sometimes you get a decision that shouldn't have gone your way that does, but ultimately it's what you do with that then that that makes a difference. If Livingston put that out their heads and say, that wasn't a corner, but it's been given, so we're going to defend it, then maybe it doesn't become a goal. The only reason they're complaining is because it it was an inadvertently awarded corner, which we then scored from. And let's all face it, if you're a team conceding a set piece against Celtic, you're not a very good defensive team. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she's the other way about, isn't it? And it had Livingston defended the way they defended against 
Celtic teams in the past, they wouldn't have conceded. So, you know, it's I listen. It wasn't refereeing decisions that won Celtic the game last week. Celtic were far superior. Even David Martindale admitted that. He said they had to deal with those adverse decisions. You, you need them to go for you on days like that against Celtic and Rangers, things like that. But he said they, their team could have done better, but he said they were outplayed by a good Celtic team. And he thought uh, Celtic were, were at, brought their A game to West Lothian, which was kind of a touch of respect to Livingston and what they'd achieved against them in the past. So I, I thought he was pretty fair and measured. Of course, you're going to mention refereeing decisions that go against you. Why wouldn't you? You're sticking up for your team, you know. But he was pretty, he was pretty emphatic that Celtic won because they were by far the better team, and I don't think anybody can dispute that. I, I don't think anybody can dispute it either. I'm just looking at the stati- statistics here from last week as well, and I know it doesn't make a huge difference uh, sometimes. But hey, we've got no Alan Morrison today, so I'll do my best. Eighty-two mm. percent uh, possession for us now. You can have the ball all you want. It's what you do with it that matters. But, I mean, that just is a sign of the dominance that we had. You can't win the game if you've not got the ball. And I think that's what Livingston uh, were struggling with. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, just looking back at the lineup, um, uh, just looking at, you know, some of the changes that were made during the game, some of the, the players that, that featured. Everybody talked about the fact that Maeda started the game Uh mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got in the strap line here, will, will Ange opt for, for Maeda or Yakimakis on Monday? We'll, we'll get to the team selection for Monday later on. But, you know, Maeda's faced a lot of criticism recently of, uh, from from myself included for, for being a bit of a, a, a busy bee and that he, he looks busy, he looks as if he's working hard and very often he is, but you don't really see what the outcome of that is. You know, he, he proved everybody wrong with that against Livingston with the goals and um, and I thought he was really outstanding. Do you think he's maybe finally finding his feet in a Celtic shirt? I thought he was terrific on Sunday. And I, it's like everything else. You, you need a confidence boost. Like, he got the early goal against Hibs and everybody, oh, we've got another Kyogo in our hands. Two different type of players, right? But, you know, and then when he didn't score prolifically after that, people were saying, oh, he's, he's not Kyogo and he'd been unfairly compared to Kyogo, you know, and that was unfair and he does a power of work, he does a power of grafting, you know, and it's the 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 dirty side of the game, not dirty as in dirty tactics, but the, the side of the game that people don't like doing, shutting down opponents, he, he never gave the Livingston defence a moment's peace and for the ball that came across and Jota and everyone shouting he should have been there, he was there when Starfelt's header was saved by the goalkeeper, mm-hmm. you know, he got himself into various positions like that in the game, and didn't receive the ball, but he was still getting himself in there, and he was still chasing and harrying and knocking his pan in for the team cause. So I was delighted with Maida last week, and also delighted for him personally that he got a goal, because you saw how much it meant to him as well, his celebration, and he was just kind of more a relief than anything else, because people's personal jury was out on him, saying, what does he bring? You know, I think you saw on Sunday what he brings. You know, is he the prolific type? Arguably No. Will he score when you need him to? Some important goals? Yeah, he will. Will he put in a shift? Yeah, he will. Is that all you can ask from him? Yeah, it is. So I think he, I think he more than kind of, uh, you know, say to the doubters, look, I can perform and I can step up to the plate when needed. So I think he just, I think a lot of people just need to maybe get off his back and just cut him a bit of slack. You know, because bearing in mind, he's played a full season in Japan. So you might well, there might well be lethargy and fatigue issues. I don't know, but the manager seems to like him, and the manager seems to give him the nod quite a lot, doesn't he? So, I you you trust the manager on these things, and I think a lot of people wanted to see Jack Marcus after his hat trick against Dundee, and mm. you know it's now. I think uh, after that hat trick, people were saying, "Oh, Jack Marcus is a definite number nine starter or centre forward starter," but. After last week, you know, Maida's given the manager another headache. And I'm kind of of the opinion, well, if you don't do anything wrong, you stay in the team. You know, but the manager likes to rotate a lot. So even when players haven't done wrong or whatever, or you've not had a bad game. So it's a real toss-up for Monday night. But I think you might just keep Maida on the side because his confidence levels are up. I, I could be wrong on that. And... A lot of people might want to see Jack Amakis back, but 
I'm of the opinion that Maida was very good against Livingston and I'd, I'd give him another shout again to start. The, the, the other encouraging thing, obviously, um, and we'll talk about the Dundee United game coming up, is any players who we've seen, you know, maybe tiring a little during that dip in form, they've had a full week now to recover from the mm. last last game, over a week by the time the game comes, and, you know, that will be invaluable towards the end of the season. But going back to Maeda for a second, um, Acrobat on YouTube says, you can't criticise Maeda, the work rate he puts in goes unnoticed, and brought him here because of that fact, not just for his goals. I think he's, he's in agreement with you there, Tony. And another one here from um, Carl... Uh, Nemso, who says Maida is crucial. He does so much work forcing the opposition defenders to make uh, decisions sooner than they want to. I think it's maybe one of these situations where um, sometimes you're just, uh, as an invested football supporter, perhaps if I saw Maida in another team, I would think, oh, he's useful. <laughs> but when you're when you're a Celtic supporter and you're just wanting us to get up the park and put the ball in the net, sometimes your judgment on these things is a little bit clouded. Players can be undervalued and underappreciated. I think what what uh, Maida brings to the table thus far up until last Sunday had been undervalued and underappreciated, but not by the man that matters most, the manager. Yeah. You know, so again, you you bow to that superior knowledge and you you say, okay, he's in the team for a reason. He was in the team for a reason last week and uh, he came up trumps, didn't he? And I think a lot of people's uh, opinion or attitude maybe changed towards Maida last week because he really did. It was a kind of, say, the, the total complete performance, but it was a, a very good one. And from the get-go, he was just he was just at it. You know, and that's, that's what you want. And from somebody who has played a full season in Japan and has come to a new footballing culture and maybe taken a wee bit of time to adapt. It's good to see that he's now shown signs of feeling settled and he looks happy as well, doesn't he? You know, so I he was delighted to score and maybe a kind of wee bit of relief, as I said. But, you know, when you're a Celtic striker, you're always going to be judged in goals. But I think also part of the modern day game is to shut down and to lead the line and do all sorts of stuff. So I think in that situation... He was, he was terrific and he wasn't found wanting, you know. So if he can add goals prolifically, then I think we'd, uh, we'll all say that, yep, we should definitely sign him up at the end of the season, make the deal permanent. But I don't think he's done anything wrong to suggest that they shouldn't sign him up permanently because I like him. I like what he brings uh, in terms of his attitude and application, his spirit and his energy. And he's a mm-hmm. defender's nightmare. Yes. And I'm sure the goals will come once he just kind of learns to, you know, Celtic's style of play, which he's getting a, a better handle on game by game. Yeah, I'd always had the impression with him that, that the loan signing, different to Jota's, but the loan signing was more of a loan to buy type thing rather. I don't know why I particularly had that in my head, but I always did think that that was perhaps, maybe because he's coming like from you know, another continent a long long way away and kind of thing there's more invested in a move like that, that perhaps the, the you know, your your appreciation of what's gone into that is that there's probably a, a, an eye on a permanent move there. So we'll see what happens, but I think he's definitely... And the thing is, like, f- for those of us, or for, for anybody who said he's not scoring goals, I mean, he's, he's chipped in with a fair few so far this season. I don't know the exact number, but it's not... It's not as if he's absolutely barren in front of goal either. He's been he's been getting a, a fair few give like compared to the number of minutes he's played as well. So we'll see how that goes. Um, thanks everybody for watching. We're going to move on to another topic. One of my favourites, although people here uh, get bored of hearing me talk about it. David Turnbull. Um, and was asked this week about um, the. Uh, chance of an appearance this weekend against Dundee United um, and he said uh, nah it's too soon for Bull, he called him Bull which I quite liked I never thought about that <laughs> nah too soon for Bull, the plan is uh, with him that we're going to he's going to train with the first team after the Monday game and we'll see how we go from there he's almost back to full training with the team the reason I wanted to bring this up Tony was you know the, we've, we've kind of touched on it briefly at points throughout the last couple of months when Rio Hitati came in, when Matt O'Reilly came in, when when we made a lot of signings in January and then to 
to David Turnbull's dismay, he ends up with an injury, probably exactly the worst time. Never a good time, obviously, for an injury, but the worst time. There's a there's a suspicion for me that he's going to find it very difficult to get back into this team, either because they're playing so well or because, in my estimation, he maybe plays a little bit slower than the majority of this team and needs to up the tempo of the way that he plays. But there's no doubt that as a ball-playing midfielder, he's, he's one of the best at the club. So where do you stand on David Turnbull, a fully fit David Turnbull? Where does he fit in in this squad and in this team? I thought you just brought up the word bull because I like to talk a lot of it. You know I mean? so, <laughs> I'm sure the viewers will agree. Uh, well, I think David Turnbull sat back and watched that Celtic team perform to the best of its ability at times and realises what he needs to do to be part of that. You, you get a, you know, you get the best view in the house when you're sitting watching and you're injured, unfortunately. So, he knows that the bar has been raised and he knows that he would have to raise his own game and his own performance levels. But with every injured player, you have to, if you're a duty of care, and I think Celtic have did the right thing with Turnbull and not rushed him back and, and not, uh, you know, and he'll, he'll be back when he's back. The bull will be back, as the manager says, when he's back. So, But I think he... If you're clever, which I think David Turnbull is, you'll be sitting there observing, you'll be taking everything in like a sponge, you'll be seeing what the manager's saying to the players, the midfielders, that they talk to the... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Field every time your names are starting 11, you'll be, you'll be observing what the manager's asking of them. And so he'll know exactly what's required when he comes back into the team. He has a ball playing midfielder. Does he slow the play down? Yeah, but that's what playmakers tend to do. You know, but, but I tell you what we have missed in terms of David Turnbull, somebody to have a dig from 25, 30 yard range mm-hmm. uh, on a consistent basis. That alone, you know, a criticism myself to this season is nobody has a pot shot from 25, 30 yards. And David Turnbull used to do it a lot, you know, and, and he he a decent success rate, but he can put them in the, the top corner. Tom Rogic does it now and again, and his, his success rate's not bad when he tries it, you know. So I think if you can bring somebody like David Turnbull back, knowing the levels that he has to reach in order to, you know, make a, a valid contribution allied to the fact that he likes a dig at goal, then mm-hmm. I, I think we're in we're in good shape. I, I look at it last week and we substituted, we did we substitute Forrest, Maida and... Uh, Forrest, well, Maida and Rogic. Rogic. And we brought on O'Reilly, Giacomakis and Abada. Mm-hmm. Like for like. Yeah. No, quality for quality. We also but, took, off, uh, took off McGregor and put on Hitati as well. So, you know, when Turnbull will be eased back into the fold, you will be taking off a midfielder and bringing on David Turnbull. So it will be quality like for like swap with the strength and depth that they now have. So I don't have any qualms about whenever David Turnbull comes back. My only reservation is when you come back, you know you're going to have to make a valid contribution in order to stay in the team. So it could be a good thing that Turnbull's had this extended period out and he's watched all these guys come in and he's sort of saying to himself, OK, I know exactly what's required and you'll get a hungry Turnbull coming back, I would have thought, or somebody who a lot of the Celtic supporters are still kind of, I'm not so sure. You know, I, I think he's a, a smashing footballer. I've never doubted his ability. Uh, but now I want to see Turnbull 
coming back in and saying, you know what, I'm worthy of a place in this starting eleven, and here's why. But and I think that's a good thing. I think the manager's kind of fostered that spirit of real competitiveness. He's 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 forever telling you that it's fiercely and ferociously competitive at training, isn't he? So he likes to tell you that. So that's a good thing because you're trying to replicate game situations. So if Tumble's coming back into that, then yeah, you know there's no rest for the wicked. Get straight back in and do your thing, and let's see what you got. Absolutely, I would totally agree with that. Lots of comments coming in on the David Turnbull um, topic. Erin um, Ellen agrees, uh, Turnbull banging a few goals when he's back, very valuable player, which I, I don't disagree with. Um, then we've got um, David Turnbull uh, was an excellent before he got injured. I don't buy this, that he won't get back yeah. into the team. Yeah. <laughs> Mirror this with Ewan Boy Martin, who says... Turnbull will struggle to get back into the team. We'll have to be patient. So uh, it's a it's a wide and varied church here at Celtic, uh, or, or at Axholm, I should say. Uh, the support are, have opinions that, that vary greatly, and it's great to see them all. Um, but this one from Brown Warrior, Tony, I wanted to bring it up. It says, um, directed to me, but I'll open, open the floor, shall we say. Um, Turnbull is still developing at Celtic. Uh, he needs time under Ange to become the player we hope he can. Now, I I understand, Tony, that um, players take time to adapt to new managers, players take time to adapt to new styles of play. I, for one, think Turnbull adapted well and was playing well before his injury. Um, not to say that the replacements haven't taken it up another level, like you said, but I don't think there's a need for him necessarily to adapt any more than a player normally adapts throughout their career. I think he's I think he has a full fledged footballer at this point. He's represented his country at a major tournament and all that kind of stuff. Or no he didn't did he actually? Have I just said that and that's not true? <laughs> Certainly in the squad, wasn't he? I don't know if he played. Yeah. Um but I was maybe I was maybe dreaming that one, I don't know. <laughs> but you know yeah, right. I, what I was going to say is, I, I don't, I, I, I sometimes get this feeling with with players like him, where there's a narrative ongoing. You see it with Mikey Johnston a lot as well that they get to a certain age of like, oh, they're still developing, they're still young, they're this or that. For me, somebody of David Turnbull's age and experience should be a fully fledged player, which I think he is. Yeah, listen, when David Turnbull comes back, he'll be he'll be a victim of rotation as well. It's just the way the manager plays games. He's a horses for courses type manager and, you know, he, he will come in and he'll play his part. But in order to stay in the team, you have to, as I say, make, make a valid contribution. I don't know necessarily if he'll struggle because Anne seems to like him because he's called him many things. The Bull being the latest. You know, Dave, I think he's called him as well. And <laughs> Davey, Davey or whatever, you know, so he's got... But Anne's liked him from the start because he always, he always said that uh, Tumble was one of these players who was uh, very critical of himself, which Ange kind of quite liked. I remember mm-hmm. he spoke about him earlier when he said, you know, I think it was when he got a hat-trick or something, or just after he got the hat-trick, he said, I, he's always critical of his own performance and I tell him not to be too hard on himself. But Ange likes that and players, you know, that humility that I can do better. You know, so as I, I, I get back to it, Tumble now knows what he has to do better in order to be on that side. And Ange will give him his chance at some point when he's fit to be on that side because that's what he does. He, because he, he, he himself, Ange himself wants to see what Turnbull will bring to the table. He knows, but when somebody's been out for a lengthy, you know, period of time with an injury, then you, you're kind of a bit wary about them being the same when they come back, you know, hitting those levels, or, or you know, or being a bit wary, you know, the, within the player himself about in for a tackle or whatever it is. But I, I think Tumble's a naturally gifted footballer. I think he will enhance the Celtic team. don't think he was doing too much wrong uh, when when he got and was unfortunate to get injured. You know, but it's like everything else. Celtic supporters have opinions and you touched on it there. Some players become, I hesitate to use the phrase whipping boys, but they become the target of fans' ire. And I think Tumble was was one of those targets at one point. Uh, uh, you know, the fans are about, you know, he, he, you know he, the play becomes too slow. He's not an Ange-type player when they're this fast zipping it about, uh, tempo, all that kind of thing. So, But I still think that Turnbull's got a valuable role to play in this team. 
you know, and anybody that can leather a ball like he does with accuracy from 25, 30 yard range, you know, that that's an asset to anybody's football team. And he's a pretty forward thinking midfielder, you know, so you know when you're on the park, he, he will have a dig at some point when he gets the ball out, out of his feet and just rasp it, you know, and he's capable of it. So I, I think that there's, like like Anne said about Forrest, I think there's a lot of football left in for, uh, Turnbull and lots of big moments in his Celtic career to come. And anybody who's writing them off and saying, you know, he's going to struggle, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I, I would like to I would like to agree with that and think that that's going to be the case. Um, but until we see him back, we have games to play in the meantime. First one being our Scottish Cup tie against Dundee United in, uh, on Monday night. Um, we'll get to the, up front the, the Maeda or Jakimakis question uh, soon. But looking ahead to the, to the tie on Monday night, Tony, um, obviously the game in and of itself is important for the tournament and, and that's understandable. But in the context of the season, do you think, do you think the players are thinking treble at this point or are they thinking let's win this game and see how far we get? Like, I, I don't, I, I know you're working football journalism. You might have a little bit of a better idea than me about, you know, how, how the, politics of a dressing room works or the motivation of a dressing room works that you know they say all these things to the outside world about you know we're taking it one game at a time but is it in their heads do you think that there might be a treble on the cards here? Of course it is right first and foremost but rule rule one of treble club nobody talks about the treble <laughs> right publicly inwardly the manager saying we're in here fighting for all these all, all three tournaments we want to win all three tournaments. This is why I've trained you this way. This is why we're coming to peak condition, peak fitness at, at this stage of the season. We want to be there when the prizes are handed out. Make sure you're there. Enough said. Right, that's it. We'll have that conversation. But outwardly, it's focus on the next game. That's, but it's human nature to start thinking about trebles, isn't it? When you're mm-hmm. three, with three clear with eight to play and you're in the quarterfinal of the Scottish Cup, fine. Right, you can make you can make a you know carve your name into history at Celtic, uh, you know. So that that's human nature, but you don't get carried away, don't get ahead of yourself. The manager will have said that we're in here fighting. We can do this. We know we can do this. Let's prove how good we are. But the next one's Dundee United. Focus on Dundee United, and it is that. That's why you get players saying that bland one game at a time stuff. And journalists constantly probing them and say say something different. But they're, they're programmed, right? Very few break from the ranks unless you're George's Jack and Marcus and say we're going to win a lot. We're better than everybody, you know. Which was he, he'd gone rogue, I think, George's Jack and Marcus. But he was only saying what he was feeling at the time. Yeah. But I, think, I think you'll find Jack and Marcus will not do press between now and the end of the season <laughs> for that very reason. Right? You, you let slip too much. You know, you you broke the rule of treble club, you know, by spouting it. You know, I was going to ask ask you that as well after the Jack and Marcus thing. So I don't think we've had a chat since then. Um, I will get back to the game in a second, but I just find it very interesting because my opinion of you as a journalist would be that that is, as you would say, manna from heaven. You would love to write about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, we, we're, we're, we're at that point. You're doing the grease dance, keep talking, keep talking, you know. And so you're pumping questions into him. So he will keep talking. That's that's your job, okay. But in terms of the message from Celtic, I mean, the PR person at Celtic, or you know, the, the Celtic would have sat there like that, or no, or no, you know what I mean. And but these things happen. But I can understand why he did it. He just scored the perfect hat trick. He was up there. Yeah. You know, so he, and and he was he was being truthful to himself. It's how he felt in that moment. I think we're a better team. We're better than we're rivals. So he said it. Can we win the league? Yeah, we can win the league. I, I expect to win the, whatever as he said. You know, we're going to win the league. Whatever. So I, I don't think you can hold a grudge against him for saying those things because it's how he felt in the moment. I think managers tear their hair out at that because the drill is. Say nothing, one game at a time, 
keep the high balls low and the low balls high type thing, you know what I mean? So, you know, but players sometimes, as I say, some some of them go rogue and just go off, off message, off piste, and as a journalist, you're like, yes, you know, <laughs> thanks very much. That, that's good. Because that's, that's your I'm job to, to get them to say something that you don't know. Yeah. Tell you something new. You know, that, the, the bland one game at a time over the moon, sick of the parrot stuff, you're just like, <laughs> How do you fashion a thousand words out of that? And we're not there to trick them or upset them or annoy them. We're just there to ask questions that they're, they're grown men at the end of the day. They yeah. can answer them whatever way, shape they see possible. But if they know that they're going to get a flea in the air for the manager, a lot of players are, you know, frightened to say something. Others, others don't care. Others are just like, you've asked me a question, I'll answer it honestly. You know, so. We're there doing our job, and and it's remiss of us if you don't do your job. A lot of people disagree, you, you know, the kind of questions that you ask. That's fine. And people will have their views on on journalists, certain journalists, and certain media. I, I get all that, but I should say I, I'm not there to upset players or annoy them or trip them up. I'm there to get, as you say now and again, some manner from heaven if you can, you know. And and I and I get that it's every rights player to shut you down and play the one game at a time card. And, and that's fine. That's that's their prerogative. But as I say, it's you're you're not committing any crime. You're just asking questions about football, you know. And, and they they can answer them if they want. It's, but some people find it hard when you've got dictaphones thrust in your face, and you know, and and there's about fifteen or twenty people hanging on to your every word, you know. And you know that whatever you say might, by unscrupulous ones of the the press, get spun into something that he maybe doesn't reflect what you said. So a lot of them like to do it live, you know, the whole Zoom thing and all that, where people can watch it. You can see exactly the way it was said in the context it was asked. I get all that too, but it's never been my MO to, to annoy players or upset them. Or, you know, I, I'm just too engrossed in the game or what they did or, you know, or, or you know, as you say there, I mean, why wouldn't you ask somebody like Jack and Marcus if you could win the lot if he was standing in front of you right now? It's just it's a perfectly legitimate and normal question to ask a Celtic player at this moment in time, is it? Can you win the lot? They don't they don't need to answer it. Yeah. I th- I think the thing as well is I mean I've I've my brother watches a lot of American sports and there's a lot about American sports that I don't like, but one of the things I do like is some of the player interviews and some of the manager interviews are so bombastic and over-the-top confidence and stuff like that. They're like, okay, sometimes it's off-putting. Sometimes they get made a fool of by going all out in their interviews, saying that they're going to do this, that, and the next thing to the other team, and then they get handsomely beat. But my God, it makes for entertaining viewing. I covered the Scottish Claymores franchise when it was in Scotland. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And all of the guys were American players and, and, and foreign players playing in the NFL Europe League. And some of the interviews were terrific because they, they, they genuinely didn't care. They would tell you anything. 
and yeah. it was pretty refreshing that way. And you, you think you would conduct them in the the locker room, as they called it. So they, they would take you down and just, and they would say, to you, who, "Who do you want to speak to? We would like to speak to whoever." And there he's there. You know, yeah, guy played like however many minutes on the football pan he'd be standing there sometimes with a towel wrapped around him and stuff. You know, can, you ima- can you imagine going to the Celtic dress and saying, I'd like to speak to Callum McGregor? There he's there. You know? <laughs> and it was just a bizarre culture to journalistic culture to even myself. And and it was free reign. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that you had one guy that you could speak to, you could speak to them all because yeah. they the American football team said that it's your duty to speak to the press and to inform the public your thoughts on anything. You get hammered. You know, it didn't matter. You know, you, that was the... If you asked to speak to a player, you you were granted that access. And I, I was just astounded by that whole kind of American football and basketball and journalistic culture. And I just thought, it would never happen here, you know? As you no. that... Definitely. Right, after Livingston last week, who do you want to speak to? Everybody. Yeah, what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> no, we were brought James Forrest and that's it. You get like five minutes of James Forrest. So you're conscious of that too. So you're pumping questions into, you know, Forrest and I think he'd scored his 96th goal. So mm-hmm. it's only natural you're going to say, well, are you targeting 100 before the end of the season? Because you're trying to think as well. You yes. know, something interesting from it. Whereas if they bring a procession of players, then you would do it in order of kind of, well, that was a good interview, that was just a great, that kind of thing. But when you've only got, when you're specifically hand-picked one person, it, it makes your job a wee bit more difficult. You know, Angie's always great value. You know, somebody's going to ask a silly question, like I did. At <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know that question. It was a legitimate one, but it was the one that he kind of, he, he bristled that, you know, so it, uh, He's not always going to do that, but you know you're going to get good value from Ange because he's he, he's great in a in a press situation, you know. So you you always get manner from heaven, or you get a kind of a bristly, narrowed side of Ange, and you just know it's going to uh, it's going to fill your pages. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Tony, I could I could listen to your stories from over the years for from now to Kingdom Come, but we must get back to talking about the proper football for the last ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> we've got Dundee United coming up. So just looking at the team from Livingston last week, just running through it quickly, we had Joe Hart and goal, we had Greg Taylor, Starfelt, Vickers, Ralston. McGregor, Beaton, Rogic, Jota, Maeda, Forrest, and then we went through the substitutes earlier as you were talking about. That, to me, is about as strong a team as we can put out at the moment. You obviously could swap um, Ralston for Juranovic or, or, or Taylor for Juranovic, perhaps. Um, and obviously, you know, James Forrest for, for Abada would probably be the other one. What are your thoughts? Is it a case of perhaps that that team played so well together last week that Andrew stick with it, or is he going to freshen it up again? What's what's your? He never sticks with it, does he? He never sticks with it. He never plays the same. He very seldom plays the same team. My own thoughts are that he might make one change, and I okay. think he'll bring, he might bring in O'Reilly for Rogic. Right. Just rotate those two, and the rest as is. But he always likes to make a change. He's a wee. I, I say. Tinker man, rotator man, I think we'll call him. You know what I mean? Big R, rotator man. Because Tinker man was claimed by Claudio Ranieri. So, but he likes to rotate. So, I, if I was Ange, I would keep that team, more or less. And I, I just think that he, he likes to do something to, in order to just freshen things up a bit. But I don't think it needs totally freshened up, that mm. team. But I think he might make one change and it might be O'Reilly for Roger. Could be wrong on that because... Logic was good last week, but I thought O'Reilly when he came on was very good. That 15-minute cameo that he played, I thought he was really good. So it just led me to believe that he might say to him, right, I think I'll rotate you and Tom this week because he likes to do that. But I think the the, the other 10 that played that, I, I can see them taking to the field again. But I thought Ralston was terrific. Gives mm-hmm. a great life and just his, his attitude's just immense, you know, and has been all season. And because... Uh, and, I called near Beaton, near Beckenbauer on Monday. You know what I, mean? I, wrote, I wrote that in my, my manager. Was still, I was just looking, thinking, who is this Colossus in the midfield? This Israeli international midfielder. Uh, he was terrific. So, you know, but that that's that's why Andy's in the position, isn't it? That's a big call if you're going to drop the big man now, isn't it? Yeah, 
because mm-hmm. he was so good on Sunday. So, and he allowed McGregor to go forward and he allowed Project, you know, to advance. So that's, you know, I, I'd been loath to make many changes to that team. I, and that's, that's my predicted team that I think uh, he might go with O'Reilly for Rogic. I keep saying that slowly, so I don't say O'Rogic, uh, <laughs> as I am prone to do. Uh, but yeah, that would be my team, Laura. I don't know about yourself, and Maida would get the nod because I thought he did ever so well last week. And I just think it's about boosting guys' confidence levels, isn't it? Jack Amakis would get the nod after Dundee, but he was ill, sadly. You know, so I, I just think Maida's, you know, he's he's up there at, at the minute, and you, you want that feeling to continue. So let him play against Dundee United. See how it goes. No, I, I would agree with with the majority of that certainly Maeda. I would keep uh, I would keep in. I could see I could see Rogic swapping out for O'Reilly. There's a couple of other ones that I thought about. Um, Beaton, I would keep in. Um, I, I think Hatati is perhaps still for me a little bit fatigued in terms of what mm-hmm. I've seen of him, even even when he did come on against Livingston. The only other one, other couple I was looking at was maybe perhaps. What did you make of James Forrest's um, performance? Obviously, he did a great second half with the goal, but I think he did struggle a little bit in the first half to get into the game. I he struggled in the first half. Abada making a, a swap for him this weekend? Well, again, I, I go back to I, I think I would have swapped Forrest at half-time mm-hmm. on Sunday for Abada, but he came out in the second half and he had a brilliant second half. So, I, again, I go on that kind of confidence levels thing. I, I think James Forrest... Again, he's he's feeling pretty confident and he was pretty sharp last week. I think he's earned the right to go and do it again uh, against Dundee United and keep that momentum. It's all about momentum, isn't it? And I yeah. think you, if a guy has a, a decent game and then you might immediately whip him out the team, I, I think it, it's hard sometimes you know, to get any rhythm and fluency and also it affects their confidence levels. I understand why he did it with... Maida and Jackie Marcus, because you were trying to find a settled kind of centre forward. So at, at this moment in time, I'm about momentum and kind of that continuity. But again, I, I trying to second guess Angie starting elevens. You know, been trying to do it all season, and don't know how many times I've got it spot on. I've got it a few times spot on, but it's you're always a kind of eight or nine mark, maybe nine or ten on a good day. Uh, so he just likes to freshen things up and just rotate. And it's maybe just a wee message to players to never hit a comfort zone. Don't mm-hmm. think if you played well one week that you're going to be an automatic starter, which again, I think is a good thing because it keeps every player on their toes, doesn't it? And it keeps them knowing that they're going to have to keep hitting that mark in order to be in the team. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I would give Forrest the nod, the benefit of the doubt because I was pleased to see Forrest rediscover that because again, there was a lot of people you know, charting the demise of James Forrest. It's just, it's just preposterous, really, you know what I mean? But, but there you go. Uh, but again, it's it's their opinion, isn't it? And they're entitled to it. But Forrest's a big game player and he came up with a big moment last week and took his goal really well. And I think his confidence grew after that. You know, mm-hmm. the second half, he just, he, he just looked like a different player from the first half. He was a confident player the second half and uh, I just think if you can take that into Dundee United game, you know, again, another valuable asset to have with a badder waiting in the wings to come on. It's quality, isn't it? You're, 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 you're replacing quality for quality, and that's what he's want, Angie's wanted all along. I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, we talked about that um, post game I was on with Kevin and, and, and Paul. Um, I think it was after the Livingston game, actually, and we were talking about that exact thing. You look at the bench from last week, just sitting here in front of me, Yakimakis, Abada, McCarthy, Idiguchi, Bain, O'Reilly, Hatati, Welsh, Juranovic. Majority of the players on that bench could come on and be equal level to whoever's on, on the field, and that's all you're asking for in terms of a squad game is that we don't necessarily have a a strongest eleven. We have a system that works that we can swap players in and out of, keep them fresh and keep keep them going. The only other change I was thinking about um for, for Monday's game 
was, and I know there's a lot of discussion. Some people are fans of Greg Taylor, some are not. Some are fans of Juranovic being in, whether it's in the left or right-hand um, uh, full-back position. Some want him only in the right-back position. My only thing about that is I want Juranovic in the team, but I would be loath to see Ralston be dropped after the performances he keeps putting in. That's your dilemma that the manager has. And every time Anthony Ralston appears in the team, he gives you a reason for you not to drop him, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And you are, you are accommodating other players at Ralston's behest then. But as long as the system and the shape, as you say, is fluid enough that Celtic can beat teams then, I don't think the manager cares who he upsets, to be honest. You know what I mean? And you, you look at Taylor, who's on the brunt of a lot of criticism this this season from Celtic supporters. He's not Celtic class, he's this or that. I mean, going back to what Jim likes to say, uh, can you get better at left-back? Yeah, you probably could. But has Greg Taylor performed badly recently? Not to my knowledge. But he was very good last week. He, he was very good to, you know, in the games before. You People are finding fault or wanting to find fault in Taylor. Whereas Ralston's the darling now, isn't he? So nobody says anything bad about Ralston. Uh, but that, a lot of that has to do with his performances anyway, because he's he's been terrific when he's came in. He's been rotated, but there's never a drop in attitude, is there? Or application whenever he comes back in, it's always spot on. So uh, I I think that all the players who are rotated, I uh, don't see it as dropped or axed. It's just rotation. But if they all come in with that same attitude and commitment as Ralston, then it all goes well going forward. And you named that bench there and you said that they cannot, they're all of similar quality. I mean, it's arguable that some are of better quality mm-hmm. than the one than the actual starting eleven. which then you could back to a, a bigger question is, what is Celtic's strongest starting eleven? you get no agreement on that. I don't even think the manager knows. Oh, yeah, rather, rather than it being a negative, it's actually a positive. Yeah, and I mean that as a positive because he's got a plethora of riches and an embarrassment of riches to play in various positions. And I, I can imagine every week he gets to Friday and he thinks, all right, I'm going to have to pick my, my team for whatever game. But it's the great headache to have, isn't it? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Ralston and Juranovic are two great right-backs. Do, do you bring back... Ralston, or do you keep Juranovic and Taylor? You know, that kind of stuff. These are things that the and himself tells you these are the things in football that he loves, the challenges that he relishes. And if you were to pin him down and say, what's your strongest 11? It would take him forever to name it. Because he, he wouldn't know in terms of, he would have a rough idea, but then he would, you know, you would end up saying, but I could play him there and him there and him there and do all sorts. So, it's, uh, I think that's a good thing and it's a good thing for the manager as well it keeps him on his toes and I think that's why he, he's prone to rotating not because he doesn't know his strongest 11 I just think he's always thinking well this player can do me a job in this game against this opposition so that's why there's a myriad of things going around his head which is probably why you don't see the same team every week if that makes any kind of sense it does, it does. The, the the mystery has deepened. As always, Tony, you've left me with more questions than answers. <laughs> I always do. A, a dizzying intellect or lack of. Yes. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully this time on Tuesday we'll be uh, still in the Scottish Cup. Uh, I'm really hoping the way we've been playing that we will be, but we will wait and see what happens. As always, with the Celtic State of Mind, we will be covering the game live half an hour before kickoff at halftime and at full time. And uh, if you're not going to the game or if you're not watching it elsewhere, then please tune in and watch it with us because you know we talk more sense than all the other outlets out there. <laughs> or nonsense. Or nonsense, yeah, let's put it that way. Uh, nonsense. Uh, Tony thanks very much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure thanks everybody for watching we will see you again very very soon
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.